Welcome back to Working Girls Don't Gatekeep, where I set out to answer the questions, what jobs are out there? How do I get these jobs? And what does that title even mean? I'm interviewing women who are in all different stages of their career. Some have been in their roles for many years. Some are transitioning into new industries. Some are job hunting and some are business owners, but they all have one thing in common. These working girls don't gatekeep. Okay, welcome to another episode of Working Girls Don't Gatekeep. Today is a super special episode because I have one of my best friends with us. Maddie Tyson and I have been friends since I think like middle school or even younger. A lot of the times I think of her as more of like a family member because she's best friends with my cousin and the four of us kind of do everything together. We have a lot of like family vacations. We, we've just always been really good friends. So so Maddie Tyson is the head of customer success at a company called All Moxie, and she lives in the Salt Lake City, Utah area. I'm excited to have Maddie. And so Maddie, thanks for joining us. What an intro. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would agree. Much more like extended cousins then. <laughs> we yeah. feel like we know a little too much about one another to be just friends. <laughs> Friends can go through breakups, but you and I can't because we know too much about each other. Quite literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to chit chat today. Yeah. Well, Maddie, one thing I always like to start off with is could you share with me one of your favorite first jobs? This could be back in high school or college or something, and it doesn't have to relate to what you're doing today. Mm, okay. That one's tough, but... I feel like it has to be, oh, there's there's a lot between college and high school and summers and stuff. The fun go-to answer, I'll do two. The fun go-to answer would be the golf course that I worked at for four summers and doing the beverage cart there. That's just like, you know, self-explanatory or explanatory why it's, it's so fun. Um, worked with tons of friends. It was funny. It was, yeah, it was a good, good job, good tips, all that. And then in college, I feel like my internship with um, my junior, I did an internship with the Golf Course Superintendent Association of America, and that was headquartered in my college town randomly, um, but it was a marketing internship, and at that point, I had no idea what I wanted to do, so it was just a good exposure to a real um, business that was not like a summer job or something. So that was probably my other favorite kind of first job because I felt like a, a little adult. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to college for marketing? No, I started with business school and then or started the political science, then switched to business school and then ended up in um, strategic communications in our journalism school. So um, prioritized fun over learning a bit there, but also had a good education in our journalism school. <laughs> Where did you go to college? Uh, University of Kansas. Okay. Rock Chalk. Rock Chalk. Yep. That's something all Kansas fans love to say. They do. Yeah. Okay, cool. So oh, you were the, I don't even remember this. Were you in Lawrence, Kansas for that job over the summer? Or was that during the school year? That was during the school year. And I was okay, working, good. yeah, I was working at, at a restaurant that year as well. So it was a fun, busy, busy year. But I got uh, class credit for that internship. Oh. Yeah. Did you get paid too? Um, No, I don't think I did. Oh, maybe I did. I honestly can't remember, but it was like a half day on Tuesdays. So it was not that much. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So 
um, with Stratcom, I was a communications major as well, but that's only by default because I yeah. didn't get into the business school. Yeah. So <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, I was in communications and I know Stratcom is a little bit different. So sometimes marketing makes sense for that. Yeah. How did you like, did you like marketing? Did you want to continue pursuing that? And yeah, what happens next? No, I learned from that that I literally did not like it at all. And I did not find it interesting. Um, <laughs> I love the people that I worked with there, but I was just like, no, this is not for me. And the the one marketing class I did, maybe two marketing classes in college, because I minored in business, I just didn't enjoy them. Um, so yeah, no, I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know until you do it. Yeah, for sure. So then what happened? Like, what did you do next? So pretty much my professional career started after college, obviously, and I worked for a staffing company, an IT staffing company called Tech Systems, um, and that was probably like the best decision I ever made because recruiting um, is actually pretty hard, and it's like, <laughs> it's hard, but it's also like I found it mind-numbing, so I didn't love it, but some people just absolutely excel at it and like want to have a full career in it, and I just respect the hell out of good recruiters. So anyway, it taught me a ton because I was exposed to like every single different tech position there is. I mostly recruited on like developers, engineers, like architects, um, designers, and then some marketing positions that were like more technical or digital. So it was it was a lot of fun. But most importantly, I like worked with incredible mentors in, in the company as well from like a sales perspective and then on the technical side of our um, global services team. And so that really like got me interested in working in tech long term. Um, after I was a recruiter there, I did the sales role there. So I did the sales role and it was um, I took over a territory of uh, someone who had been selling there for 20 years. And so it was a fantastic opportunity, but I just did not get like the high from sales that like I think people need to be successful in it. And I'm also like my strengths are definitely an organization, information organization, planning, and very like detail oriented, but, but also love being involved in like high level conversations and seeing like the bigger view of how it's impacting everything from the business to the end user and all that. And so I really craved being in those conversations and then also like working in the weeds with engineers and teams like that. So when I learned about customer success, it was really marrying like all my interests and skills and that's how I um, decided to pivot into it. But tech systems, I would never have gotten the confidence to do that without working like in recruiting, in sales and like experiencing the sales, um, like the sales, you know, ride of getting rejected and learning how to prospect and learning how to kind of be brave and like, you know, get out of your comfort zone and all that. So it taught me a lot of great lessons. But most importantly, I think it taught me about the market and how women just really don't go for um, as much as men do in terms of like women only go for jobs that they're 40% qualified and men go for jobs or women go for jobs that they're 80% qualified for and men go for jobs that they're 40% qualified on average. So it showed me that like so many women are like really leaving jobs on the table by not even applying or putting themselves forward and also being like in front of so many candidates that like had this, you know, uh, impressive experience or impressive resume or whatever. And then like some of them are just complete wackos or like really just not good people skills. It shows you how valuable those soft skills are. And it's like everything else can really be learned. And with a good work ethic, like you're a great candidate. So I that's what I just loved about working at that company is I just learned so much about the market and so much about um, tech 
um, as an industry specifically. Wow. Um, that's a really interesting fact. You said that women apply for jobs that they think they're 80% qualified for, where men apply for jobs that they're 40% qualified for. So basically that means that um, are there more applicants that are men for a variety of jobs or is it like women tend to lean to- towards a certain role? Um, I don't know like how specific for like how nitty gritty for those specific questions, but it more so just like taught me that like it's it pays to be delusional like it literally pays to be like i'm i'm good enough for this job like i even if i don't have you know all the qualifications it's still worth like putting my foot in the door because you have no idea how many bad candidates they're likely getting and you if you have soft skills and you're willing to work hard and you're willing to show that you're working towards harder skills um then a lot of times you're like one of the top candidates so i think it just showed me that women are like too hard on themselves. And so that's what like holds them back from applying for promotions or um, next step jobs. And so that just like, because I, I didn't think that I necessarily had all the skill sets in order to transfer from recruiting and sales to customer success for a tech company. And so um, I was a little afraid of making that jump, even though I was really wanting to. But um, it, it made me like realize that you just have to attempt it and you have to like show that you're able to work towards those hard skills, put yourself, put your personality forward and put your work ethic forward and it can really pay off. Cool. Yeah. So can you give me an example of a job that women don't apply for? Like are they mainly not applying for like engineering roles or sales ops and they may? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't really know specifically which jobs that they wouldn't apply for, but I think it's women are just not putting themselves forward in like the next step up or they're second guessing themselves to be qualified for the next step up. The position I'm in right now, I had to be like talked into because I was like, I've never managed people. I don't know if I could like work in a startup environment where multiple teams are dependent on me, you know? So I was just like, I had to be convinced and it helps to have like the delusion of (laughs) stereotypically, I think that guys do have like I could do it you know that yeah also that statistic of like guys that are like yeah I could land an airplane if we were going down (laughs) uh maybe yeah but yeah you gotta have that delusion (laughs) okay cool so tell me about how you got your current role then it sounds like something that may have been a stretch for you yeah so um my after tech systems I got into customer success with a cybersecurity company um, it was a SaaS company based out of Tampa, Florida, actually. So your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. And it was a very intense culture. I learned a ton there. I was only there for seven months, um, which was a, both a positive and a negative. But if I didn't work there, I couldn't have gotten the job that I'm in or like believed in myself to get, to do this job in the day to day. But yeah, my last job, I was traveling a ton um, in the month of May last year. Before I left um, that company, I was supposed to be, no, I was still there, but I had broken my leg. So this all like leads to wow, I got this other, this, the job I'm in now. But the month of May, for example, that, that quarter last year, I was supposed to travel to Chicago twice, LA twice, Ohio and Florida all in one month. And that wasn't the regular every month, but it was really intense travel. And I just, I learned that about myself. I did not like traveling for work and my dad loves it. And I thought that Maybe I would love it too, but I hated it. <laughs> so yeah. 
that was a really good learning experience. I had a um, really like um, high uh, in ARR book of business. So it was a lot of stress in the day-to-day of how much uh, revenue I was carrying from like uh, a clientele perspective and how much I was responsible for with with those customers. Um, and so it was just a very high pressure environment between the travel, the um, book of business that I was that I was holding, and then um, the nature of the work. Cybersecurity is super technical. Our product was really technical. And so the expectations also on the stakeholders that were our customers there in like one of the most high pressure areas of, of tech that you can be in. And so the nature of just the entire environment was very stressful. So anyway, tons of positives too. Met great people. Was exposed to a fantastic uh, customer success organization um, within the company. But that's what like gave me the confidence to take on this new role because it was such a different stage of a company, completely startup and um, completely reactive rather than proactive. And so I'm like trying to build... Um, a customer success uh, department that's more on the proactive side and transitioning to that rather than the reactive side when I started and kind of getting us to a place where we're impacting and, you know, responsible for revenue eventually rather than just the adoption of the product. So I don't know if that fully answered it, how I got here, but it was like a combination of that job being awesome, too stressful, breaking my leg, and then (laughs) literally... Literally breaking my leg and having a three-hour surgery, <laughs> and then, um, and then like just networking and connections that um, introduced me to this opportunity, and really just having to take the leap of faith to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been in charge of this stuff, but it sounds really fun. And I'll, when will I get this opportunity again? Yeah, yeah. So I think a pro, uh, uh, not a problem, but maybe a sticky point for a lot of people is like, how do I even find a company that maybe the right size or maybe the right location or how do I start researching companies that I should apply for? Because when you're applying on LinkedIn, you know, it can show the job tab and it shows 3,000 people applied for this customer yeah, success yeah. role. And specifically, I think customer success is a highly, in a, like high demand. Yeah. It is. So how did you go about finding that role and making yourself stand out enough to get an interview? Yeah. So for this one specifically, it was actually like one of my... Um, like longest mentors I've had since going back to tech systems, his best friend was the CTO. So it was like a fantastic network introduction. But throughout that whole time, I was also interviewing at other companies because the interview process took really long since they're a startup and they're just slow moving. Yeah. Um, and so I always tell people, and that's another great thing that recruiting had taught me of like, don't make it harder on yourself than it needs to be. Like work backwards of what you want. So even if you don't know all the answers of what you want, like be realistic and don't just rapid fire like a ton of applications and be like, I applied to 400 places. Why am I not getting an interview? Like you're not tailoring anything. You're not being intentional or specific. And so you need to really work backwards of like, what do I care about? Is it like, is it money? Is it people? Is it industry? Is it career growth? What is it? And so defining what that is. And then of course, like aiming for a certain title or industry. And with that, I always like, limit myself unless for really specific jobs that I feel like I'm tailoring my resume or like trying to reach out to someone at the company I always apply to only local so local you're gonna have a much better shot because there's likely they'd rather take a local candidate that could come into the office once twice three times a week than someone who's a remote person that's across the country in a different time zone so then you can also follow up with people that are in person like 
in your network, you're a lot more likely to be connected like a first or second or third connection. And if you have a first or second connection, always reach out to the person that you're connected with, you know, someone at the company with and say, hey, I'm trying to break into customer success or I'm trying to break into this company. Would you mind bridging an introduction just for an informational interview? And so asking for informational interviews and being like intentional about actually just getting an informational interview and not like asking for a job is so important too, because I've grown my network so much by just, even if I have a job that I'm happy with, reaching out to people and be like, hey, I'm really impressed with your career, or I'm really, I really one day want to work for this company. I would love to just, I'm happy at the company I'm at or I'm searching, but I'd love to pick your brain about like how you got there and all that stuff. So if you're not utilizing your local network, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're wasting time just rapid firing. So I would say that and also tracking your, um, tracking your, uh, application lights oh yeah yeah that too (laughs) um but tracking kind of like your applications it means strategic about follow-up so um i think that can really help too so anyway that's that's kind of a lot but i think being intentional staying local with your search and utilizing your network even if it's not first connections and i'm speaking like in the terms of first connections on linkedin utilizing second connections asking being brave and asking for introductions or informational interviews is like the key to getting to standing out a resume doesn't stand out like it truly yeah. doesn't yeah i mean nowadays i can just like type in two things in chat gpt and they can like, write something out and they don't know a single thing about me so yeah i love chat gpt i'm not hating on that i know a lot of people oh, don't sure. but like i i can see how that doesn't stand out at all even yeah. if i was a business owner and i got like 70 applications they all look the same to me but if somebody said like i think i know this girl maddie mm-hmm. you know we haven't worked together specifically, but she worked with a coworker of mine. Yeah. That one, I'm actually going to probably read the the yeah. resume. So, Well, and like people, the psychology, like people like helping people. So if the hiring oh. manager, like the director got a ping from one of their friends that like, hey, I don't know this person, but they did an informational interview with them and I actually really like them or something, you know, like word, good things that you do, like lead to good things other people do and like people want to do good things for each other. Um, also local net- networking events and local like user groups and stuff like that. If you're not doing those either, you're shooting yourself in the foot, like literally get in person with people because people that are in person are the ones that you want to get in touch with because they're making an uh, effort and mm-hmm. you want to be, you want to surround yourself with people that are making an effort. So, um, going to events and being like prepared to like put your networking face on, even when you don't feel like it is also yeah. another important thing. How do you find those local networking events? Um, I would just go on Meetup. Um, Meetup is a really good website that you can just type in your location and events that you're interested in from like social dog events to career events and stuff and professional um, industry specific events and get sign up for their letters and they'll just send you invites. Hmm. Okay. So on a personal note, do you use Meetup to try and find find, find friends? I haven't, but I'm sure okay. I'm sure that I they I know I know they have a huge like social aspect of it, like you know brewery meetups and stuff like that. So I'm sure it would be a good one for for that too. Okay, you mentioned that you have a mentor from your previous or your two previous companies ago. Um, can you tell me more about what that mentor and you do? How do you stay connected? And any advice for having a mentor? Yeah, I feel like people make being a mentor like so official and intimidating (laughs) and like it's the reason he's a mentor to me is because he's like a friend like he I love him I look up to him like pick someone that you're truly you know if whether you've met them or not yet like 
just someone at an event that you're like, I gravitate towards them. I like their energy. I like their career, you know, and they can help you. And even if it's like you don't want to go in that direction of the career, like they're have a network of their own, you know. But mm -hmm. um, no, he's helped me in like a million different ways. He's encouraged me to get certifications that I wasn't like confident in like going after myself. He's encouraged me to go after jobs that I wasn't confident for negotiating for myself more than I would have, pushing me to like really push the boundaries in that area to um, continue to try at jobs that I wasn't happy in um, mm. or that I was that I was feeling like very stuck in um, sales, that last company that I was at. Um, so really, really good all around. Uh, and then, of course, introducing me to this, this company was a huge <laughs> perk in the sense of that relationship. But I also have another mentor that I think is a really good um, kind of like lesson or story of like utilizing people that are like that don't necessarily jobs that don't necessarily work out. Um, I have a mentor that I met with over Christmas and we're meeting um, again coming up soon who has been a director of customer success for over a decade. And I've interviewed with her for the same company two different times when I was looking first when I was looking to get into customer success. And then the second time when I was looking to get out of that job, the second time it was a different job and it was just like not as attractive to me. The first time I just didn't get the job. So I faced like rejection with her and I just faced like not the right, not the right um, kind of situation, but I absolutely loved her. And I was like, I want to work for this lady. Like she mm -hmm. is badass and she's so impressive. And this is the kind of leader I'd want to work for. And so I kept in touch with her, always sent thank you notes, always loved her LinkedIn thing, commented congratulations on her stuff, yeah. you know, and just so I stayed relevant. And then she actually lost her job at the company that she was at for a while. And she was like, I'm doing some, I've got free time over the holidays, like reach out if you know, I'm helping people connect for new opportunities. And so my team was hiring. So I was like, hey, so-and-so I'd love for you to pass along this opportunity to anyone in your network. I hope all is well. Um, I'd also love to pick your brain sometime if you ever have the free time. And um, I'm trying to like build out a customer success department for the first time and you know, look up to you so much or whatever. And she was like, yeah, let's hop on a call next week. And so she literally spent like an hour and a half with me and just like went through truly like some of the hardest things of that I'm trying to like pick apart in my job right now of like, I don't know whether to go this way or this way mm -hmm. or am I approaching it right? And so she's very like a tactical mentor, like specific to like what I'm what I'm like trying to grow into. Whereas my other mentor, he's a cloud architect. Like I'm never going to be like in that. I'm never going to do that career path, you know, but he is so um, incredibly uh, smart and connected and just like a kind, good friend that, of course, I want to keep both as a mentor for different reasons. So I would say looking in all areas for mentors and just looking for people that you like look up to be as a as a leader so cool thanks for sharing that manny sounds like these are really important people and i'm so proud of you for continuing to stay in front of these people like facing rejection with someone can turn most people kind of embarrassed and never want to reach out to them again but look at how you changed that narrative and you stayed in touch with them and then they became like a really important person in your life and she's probably going to think of you when an opportunity comes up and you're going to think of her. So it's impressive to me that she's stayed in touch. Proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I hope that's the case. I would love to work for her at some mm -hmm. point or my other mentor. I'd love to work for him too. But um, I think, yeah, and also not taking rejection so personally. Like yeah. at the end of the day, it's really not that like it's not it's not about you. <laughs> like most right. of the time, it's literally not about you. Like 
there's so many times when a job like a candidate that they hired is like okay because they're like they're connected to a vp or something like <laughs> they just got the nepotism card which is great you know that's just how life works sometimes people get that or they just have more experience than you they were just better than you okay that's fine it's not <laughs> it's not about you yeah or they just lost budget and they closed the role and they yeah. didn't communicate that you know like so many different things so i think just like moving on and not letting it like hurt your ego is so important good okay um i want to just throw something fun in here for a second then we can jump back into professional things what is something right now that you're loving that you want to share kind of as like others should do too maybe it's a book you're reading a tv show or a place to shop what what are some things that you're loving right now um i love mixing up like what i'm reading right now i'm reading uh way too long of a book but i like reading it in small increments about uh the presidency of jimmy carter and rosalind um carter's death inspired me because my grandma had told me so much about what she did for like our country and how impressive of a woman she was and so i wanted to read about jimmy carter and then his wife rosalind so um i like mixing it up from like you know the steamy beach reads or like the cheesy like girl books <laughs> to like read about some history or um, some self-help books because those ones aren't like my cozy up on the couch or need as much but I'm really enjoying that right now and then I started working on the side at a yoga studio um, it's like work for trade yeah so I just work for a membership uh, two that. hours a week which is literally insane <laughs> two hours um, yeah two hours is all it's great crazy. yeah but it's a interesting for it's the Bikram yoga so it's like that um, uh, kind of unique form of uh, sect of yoga and I like it, but it's also not my favorite, but it's been really good for my um, recovery, like being in heated yoga for my leg. Mm -hmm. And then they have like a Pilates class there too, but just like doing something that I, I I'm in love with Pure Bar and I have been for like a long time, like six or seven years now. And so getting out of my routine um, of just going to bar and since I can't ski this year and trying something that I'm like, I know this is good for me. I don't love it as much, but I'm pushing myself to do it has been kind of like nice and the more I do it the more I'm like oh, I actually really like this so it's been kind of fun to switch it up this winter so is this kind of your first experience with hot yoga um I did like core power but I feel okay. like that's not overly like yogi you know okay um and then like lifetime classes I would do yeah. in yoga but both those are more like workout than I think yoga you know yeah so um yeah, this is my first experience with Bikram yoga that's for sure I love the connection to your breath and I think that like having a background in some type of yoga like you've had with, I mean, we do a lot of like warrior one, warrior two and yogi sweat, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but now using that as a, using hot yoga as a supplement instead of my main form of workout is one of my favorite things because yeah. like I know I can go lift weights, do a Peloton ride, do something really hard. And yeah. I feel like I've worked my physical body but when I do like a slow flow yoga totally it's totally my mind mm -hmm. and I love it like it feels really good to stretch too yeah yeah and I like definitely get myself wrapped up in stress like work stress uh worse than like the regular person I would say and it's something that I'm like always working on and it's usually 90% put on by myself and so like do same thing I have the urge to go do something hard on my body because it feels it is. good Mm -hmm. then it doesn't necessarily feel good as feel as good after because I'm still like my mind's still racing and I'm like oh like I didn't get it out of my head 
And yeah, yoga really slows it down and forces you to just like quiet your brain with that breathing. And yeah, breaking my leg, I like was forced to slow down in so many different ways, areas in my life. And I was like, this is kind of a blessing in disguise. Not that I wish upon like breaking your <laughs> leg or ligament to anyone else, but it did slow down my pace of life a lot in a really positive way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I love that analogy of you said, like, I'm so stressed out at work that I go and do, for me, I'm thinking of like a Peloton ride. I am on mm-hmm. a high. I'm yes. doing a ton of like high level music. Uh, I get off the bike and I am pumped up. Yeah. And I'm still spinning and I'm thinking about this and thinking about this. Like now I got And when I get done with yoga, a slow flow yoga class, yeah, my whole energy is different. So yeah, I, it's kind of just like... Mm. There's nothing yeah. I can control. Like you just like really truly feel like you're yeah. not in control, which is a good a good way. Yeah. I think that's what true yogis would say about yoga and they'd probably shit on the workout ones. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I like have experienced the uh, yoga culture of like different, you know, statuses of yoga and what people yeah. think. I'm like, oh, wow, this is serious. <laughs> Okay, switching back to like a profession, the professional side of things, uh, just to kind of wrap this up here. Do you mind telling me what a day to day in your life as a customer success manager looks like, or maybe a head of customer success? Sure. Yes. Um, as much as I talked about like moving our team to being proactive in the beginning, um, <laughs> we are still pretty reactive. So um, my day to day right now, um, this morning, I typically carve out the morning hours to catch up on things. So I'm going through tickets, customer emails, customer messages, um, and prepping for customer calls. And then I might have a customer call. I have a smaller book of business than my other reps. So I typically only have like one to two customer calls a day, if that, um, some days only internal calls. And then, um, I'm pretty consistently like in our ticketing system. It's like hard for me to get fully out of it. And so I, I try to be like strict with my time blocking to not mm-hmm. just like um be take all of my time in there but the other time is focused on some like project oriented stuff so we're cleaning up our crm data we use hubspot and we're working with a consultant to um get it cleaned up um and then we uh, i'm doing like a project with our services team um So our services team is like a team of integrations engineers that are customer facing. And we're trying to make that whole process from like the scoping of the of the work to the execution on the work um, better. So. So a lot of like project management and process improvement in that. So working on that with the department lead there and then I'm working on outreach for our upcoming event that we're hosting. So trying to reach out to customers and make sure it's personalized, whether it's email or phone calls, things like that. And then typically, you know, once a week, I have one-on-ones with each of my, um, each of the people on my team. So I've got um, three people on my direct team and then another three people on the integrations engineer team. And I'll meet with them on not a weekly cadence, but um, the CS team on a weekly cadence. So quite a bit of people management mixed in. And sometimes that can be the most draining part and rewarding part, but it's like, People problems are usually the most complex. So trying to work through customer people problems, employee people problems, and then um, projects is my yeah. day to day. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, how do you then, for, go ahead. I was just going to say for like, yeah, I what we use for our CRM is HubSpot. And then 
our ticketing system is um, Jira and then a few other okay. tools that we use. Yep. Um, proud of you for being a people manager. That's one thing I always say. I personally know just because of myself that I can't do that. I can't be a people manager. And I say that because I just don't care about excuses. So like if someone were to say like, I can't come to work today because my foot hurts or whatever it is. Yeah. I would just kind of be like, okay, use your PTO and don't tell me about it. Or yeah. like, <laughs> I don't really care. So yeah. that's a personal thing for me and you are much more empathetic. So good job for you. Um, yeah. I try to, I try to find the line of like empathy and like structure and it's really yeah. hard. It's a constant battle. Um, okay, Maddie, here's a question that I always ask everybody. Mm-hmm. What is a piece of advice that you as a working girl won't get key? Well, I think it comes like, I think it goes back to another lesson from recruiting is like really shoot for the moon when you're in negotiations because the worst they can say is no. And it's not like they're going to take back the offer because of what you asked for. So if they're not, and then again, if they say no to what you're asking for, then try to negotiate again in a different area of the offer. So if mm-hmm. they say no to more money, negotiate for more PTO. That's more, that's, you know, a, that's a better compensation plan. Um, if they're saying no to more PTO, then of course shoot for more money. If they're saying no to both of those, then see what other perks they have and try to stretch those. Like try to stretch as much as you can because we, especially if you're like very hardworking and you give your best, like, you're never holding back and you're giving a lot to the company, but companies are like led by great people. And of course, like there's humans that run them, but it's also like comes down to the bottom line of like they have to make money and they have to run it as a company. So you should really advocate for yourself because no one's going to advocate for yourself but you. And so um, really, if you don't know how to negotiate, find someone that does, man or woman, and have them help you because you have to like push the boundaries there and it it'll like be scary. But again, the worst they can say is no. And even if they shoot down all that, at least you tried. And they'll respect you for doing it because all men are doing it. So we women need to do it. Love that. And not to plug, but a little shameless plug. um, If you do need help on like asking for negotiations and verbiage and stuff like that, listen back to my podcast with Steph Butler. That's actually her job. um, I gotta listen to that. Yeah, she... Is it like a consultant for a lot of people that she can, you can just hire her for like a one-time phone call and she'll help with like how to ask appropriately in negotiations. So that's perfect. Yeah. Really good advice, Maddie. <laughs> Thank you. I Yeah. Or just go get a job in recruiting and do that for a year and <laughs> you'll learn all of it. <laughs> okay, Maddie, if anyone is trying to get a hold of you to ask more questions, uh, can they reach out to you on your LinkedIn? And if so, what's your name on LinkedIn? Yes. Yeah. LinkedIn's perfect. Um, and love to connect. Um, and my name is just Madison Tyson. So Tyson spelled T-H-E-I-S-E-N. Cute. Yeah. It's really just based out of a place of like, I don't even know where to start. And I feel like the experience you got in your first role really helped navigate some of that. Um, but a lot of people don't even know different options of careers. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there was, I don't remember which book I read this past year that, no, no, no. It's The Defining Decade. It's one of my favorite books and everybody should read it no matter how old you are. It's about like being in your 20s, but I think anybody could benefit from it and especially if you're struggling with making a decision, but it's like a big part of the book is talking about 
no decision is the wrong decision. Just making a decision. If you don't make a decision, that's the wrong decision. So mm. just trying anything. Even if it's a bad job, you'll learn stuff and you'll make new friends and grow your network. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll, I'll add that to my Goodreads. Thanks, Babs. <laughs>